You're listening to the Tamar Yono Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. This is the 23rd day of war here in Israel with the Hamas and with all of our military might. And we do have military might. They're still shooting rockets at Israel. And this is a war that you should all know that it may have started here. But if we don't win, we will. But if we don't, and if you don't (laughs) support it, God forbid, it'll end up at your doorstep. Remember that. All right. uh, Today's show, never again. Guess what? We really do mean it. Also, Gush Katif, those are the Jewish communities that were dismantled uh, in, uh, I don't know how many, in 2005, so many years ago, 18 years ago, I believe it was, in the quote-unquote disengagement, they called it. Others called it the expulsion. They, ex- they expelled Jews from there and handed the whole entire Gaza Strip over to the Arabs so they could rule themselves. There was no Jewish, quote-unquote, what they claimed, occupation. By the way, you should all know that Gaza is Jewish land. It belongs to the tribe of Judah. If you go look at a biblical map, go online, go do a, a search for a biblical map, 12 tribes, Israel, and you will see that Gaza belongs to the Jewish people. In any case, uh, we'll be learning about Gush Katif and the disengagement. Also, Hamas is a religious movement. That means that you can't beat it, folks, because it will go on and on. It's an ideology. It's a religion. Is Quisling West implosion irreversible? And how Iran views its proxies. Our guest today is our weekly guest, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He has authored over 90 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideastern world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. Just a, a, a comment on what you said about Gaza being Jewish. Um, not that long ago, time of Napoleon, uh, what was it, 200 and something years ago, Napoleon came up from Egypt to conquer the Holy Land. And coming up, he skipped over Gaza and went and attacked Ashkelon. And his general said to him, why are you skipping over Gaza? He said, why would I bother with Gaza? It's a, it's a Jewish city. That's not all that long ago, Napoleon. History, history. Okay, uh, so never again, guess what? We really do mean it. That was the title that you suggested for the show. And uh, I can say that there is a rift in Israel between what the leadership's goals are in this war and what the people want to do. And when they say never again, the people, they mean it. Uh, the leadership unfortunately, has uh, different ideas of the goals of this war, which are faulty, in my opinion, but I'll let you take it from there. Okay, I'll just make a comment about the title. I don't usually stop with the title. I usually go straight to the subjects, but uh, in this case, the, the entire world needs to begin to internalize something very, very important. The only difference between 23 and 43 is the language spoken. And I'm speaking, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about two gentlemen, and I definitely mean that term, 
um, Scott Ritter and uh, Douglas McGregor, both of whom I admire greatly and respect greatly. I, I'm not saying anything against them. I'm certainly not accusing them of anything, but they look at the data wrong. They misinterpret the data. They think that everything is numbers. It's not. There are things that are not numbers. And one of those things in war, and they know this very well, is um, a determination. And um, when you see nearly 150% um, call-up, which is an amazing concept, when you see that hundreds and maybe more people on that Saturday of 7 October who happened to have in their possession a pistol, got in their cars, drove down south, and immediately began fighting. Even some of them had just 50, 60 rounds of ammunition. They went and they engaged. That's, that kind of determination is not something that can be trivialized. Uh, just as uh, I, I just want to announce here, there is a red alert siren going off in the community of Sufa, and uh, we are praying for the safety of our brothers and sisters there. Go ahead. Anyone who's not familiar, Sufa is a small community, a small farming community near the Gaza Strip. Um, uh, anyone who's not, who might not have heard, heard me say this before, the, the, the periphery of the Gaza Strip is where I grew up. So I know that area very, very well. Um, I, I walked all of those fields, basically. Anyway, so Gush Katif. Gush Katif, as people probably remember, was a series of uh, uh, settlements in the south of what is today called the Gaza Strip. Um, uh, um, uh, during the time when we were there, there were essentially almost no Arabs in that area. None of them lived there. Um, uh, they lived in a town in the south of Gush Katif, Katif, which was called Rafa in in the English, um, and, a, and another town which was just north of Gush Katif, Hanunis, but there were very few Arabs in that area. Um, during the so-called disengagement, we didn't give up just Gush Katif, we also gave up two settlements in the center of the Gaza Strip, and three settlements in the north of the Gaza Strip, and three settlements in the north of the Shomron, and those three settlements, both, both both the three settlements in the north of Sharon and the three settlements in the north of Gaza of the Gaza Strip were totally inexplicable to anyone. To this day, I have no idea why those settlements were given up. It made no strategic sense whatsoever. Well, if you look One, at it from a global perspective and what the global uh, elites wanted, they I, I understand why. They wanted to make a Palestinian state as they do today still. And there's a whole thing behind it. I'm not going to go into it right now, at least not on this show. But uh, I want to explain to our listeners that when we pulled out in this unilateral withdrawal that we're that our leadership was hoping was going to bring peace because they say, look, we're pulling out. You have it all to your own now. You can you can have your own elections. And they did. And they voted in Hamas, by the way, the the Gazans and overwhelmingly voted 70 percent voted them in in Democratic elections. So anybody worried about innocent people, the majority, vast majority of Gaza supported uh, the Hamas. And by the way, those, those, um, um, uh, those elections were overseen by an, an American official that was, whose name is probably familiar with most people. 
He was the president before Reagan. He, he, who are you talking about? Jimmy Carter? Yes. Ah, okay. He oversaw the elections. All right. So I just want to, but I want, what I want people to know here is that Israel, or I should say our leadership at that time, was so intent on pulling out of Gaza and saying, look, we're going to do this unilateral withdrawal, and this is going to bring us peace, which the right wing was screaming, saying it's not going to. And people who were living there were dragged, literally dragged out of their houses by the uh, government's troops that they put down there, and they, 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 I don't want to go into everything, but that we even pulled out our dead bodies in the cemeteries for fear that the rage of these monsters down there would go in and dig up our bodies and desecrate them. So we pulled everything out, every person. We bulldozed everything down, except no, no, for no, no, hot houses, no, 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 except for hot right. houses and synagogues, which they themselves destroyed. Down, but the the... Uh, the economic infrastructure we left to them, the hot houses yes, and everything. Yes, I just said that. And uh, they went in and instead of using these hot houses to further the be- benefit of their people by having businesses there where they can export vegetables and f- fruits, etc., they went and they burned them down. Think Black Lives Matter on steroids in a fit of rage, okay? This is- well, I'll just give the perspective. The year before we pulled out, that area alone, the Gush Katif area, not the northern Gaza Strip, just that one area of Gush Katif, exported to Europe $100 million of agricultural exports, of food, food for human beings, $100 million worth of food. That could have been theirs. Yep. It should have been theirs. They dis- We paid for it. They destroyed it. They destroyed it all. Because that's what terrorists do. That's what people who are in this Islamic crazy mindset do. So pulling out and giving evil more land and more ability and 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 they saw they, they were emboldened by it. Look at the big mighty Israel's pulling out. It must be working what we're doing. And then it emboldened them to do even more. And that's what we're seeing today, culminating today. And one of the and perhaps the most horrible thing part of this is, at least in my in my eyes, um, there's one thing that uh, these these people these monsters these I don't know what to call them despise more than Jews. There's only one thing they despise more than Jews. Do you know what it is, Tamar? A Jewish traitor. I didn't hear a Jewish what? A Jewish traitor. Ah. A traitor to Judaism. So that's why they attacked specifically Kfar Aza and Barry. These were the center of the leftist, the extreme leftist movement for us to get out of Gaza. These were the ones who led that movement. These were the ideologues of the disengagement concept. And that's who the Arabs directed their attack towards yes it's so sad it's so sad it's, uh, not, it's not just sad but people need to understand what motivates these people and monsters, I, mean, I have personal experience with these people i know what i'm i, I know what i know you know i've spoken with them i i, I know who they are what they are um they 
will use, as, as Lenin called them, useful idiots, but they don't call them useful idiots. They call them something much, much more derogatory than that. They will use them until they are used up, and they will rape them and kill them. That is their theology, including the rape part, by the way. And by the way, that is not part of Islam. Islam specifically, the Quran specifically forbids that. And if anyone is interested, I can send them, again, just contact me. I can send you a, a small PowerPoint that I have um, with the exact quotations from the Quran where these actions are prohibited. Okay, you can do that. And I, I, I want to say, though, that it's interpreted differently, Islam, with different groups. Because yes. Islam in the Quran also says that Israel belongs to the Jewish people. And they Absolutely. just ignore it. So, you know. Well, they don't ignore it. They, they reinterpret it in a very strange manner. But the vast majority of Muslims are sane. So, anyway, uh, this is uh, the 23rd day of the war here in Israel. My, I have a son serving up north. I have another son down south. He's probably in Gaza now. I'm praying for both of them, and I'm praying for all of the IDF, and I'm praying for all of the victims, the kidnapped, everyone. We need to pray for these innocent people, and we have to applaud these boys who left their jobs, left their schools if they're in university, left their wives and children if they're married, and uh, went out and are serving not just the country and helping the people of Israel by trying to fight these monsters, but Again, I want to reiterate that all these foolish people who are marching with Hamas in New York and London and Paris and all over the world, they're foolish because they are going to be the next victims if yeah, nothing changes suicidal, here. Suicidal. That's why I mentioned the part about Kwa'aza and, and Barry. These are the people that are targeted first by these people. And they don't understand that, that that ridiculous professor from, what was it, Columbia or NYU? I think it was Columbia. That was uh, 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 euphoric at Jews being killed. He's next in line. Yeah, especially the uh, LBGQT, whatever they go by. They, they ha I, I understand they have now in, in their... Uh, insignia inside the rainbow uh, uh, some type of Hamas flag or, or something showing their support for Hamas and they will be also you know what Hamas did to homosexuals in the Gaza Strip they threw them off the rooftops they threw them off the rooftops that's what they think about that type of life lifestyle they threw the people off rooftops. So they have uh, very naive people around the world. But you know why? Because they don't want to think because somewhere in there, and I'm sad to say it, they are anti-Semitic. They hate Jews. They hate God. And this is the way to get to, get to God is to try to kill God's people. That unfortunately is very correct. <laughs> All right. Do you want to go to next topic? We we are yes. not. We we are. I just want to say when never again. The 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 morale in Israel is at a super high, super super high, 
And we want to do the right thing, no matter what our leadership, where it wants to stop. Where well, it wants I don't, to stop. I don't, yeah, I, I'm more optimistic than you are on, on that issue. I don't think the leadership is as uh, uh, ridiculous as you present them. I think they're, I think they're a little bit more sane than that. Well, I'm just I think quoting, a little bit confused at the moment. I'm just quoting them. I mean, the objectives of this war, according to, to the Prime Minister Netanyahu, is to crush Hamas. That's it. Not to take back our land and resettle it and put Jewish sovereignty there and put in families no, and make it possible. I don't think you're phrasing it correctly. His, his phrasing was to crush Hamas. He did not add not to. He has not defined, the government has not defined, neither Netanyahu or the government itself or the cabinet, they have not defined what comes next. That, well, you know, they, they're... There, there was the talk of their figuring out after it's crushed what to do with it. Do we turn it over to the PLO under Mahmoud Abbas? No, no, that, that's Biden's idea. Nobody takes that seriously. But Biden has a lot of uh, muscle on Israel. Biden can have as much, much muscle as you want in his jawbones. First of all, Abu Mazen will never agree to that. He's stupid, but he's not crazy. Um, uh, 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 there is nobody in the PA that will that will even consider such a really unbelievably ridiculous idea. Nobody. And why is it ridiculous? If they, they you have more land, you have more population to rule over, no, and, and the international community would be happy to money. pour money into the place. It would just strengthen him. No, 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 no. You don't. You don't. No, 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 no. Why? Not at all. Okay, Their so say why. business is, cle- is kleptocracy. That's the only thing that really matters to them. They don't want to govern more people. Governing more people is troublesome. Do they th- you think they actually want to collect garbage and, and direct the, 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 the sewage of, of people in Gaza? No, they wouldn't <laughs> do it. They would say they would, but then they would take all the money just like Hamas did and spend it on weapons and tunnels and everything else to, to try to fight Israel. No, they couldn't be bothered with that. Why? They're building tunnels in, 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 in Judea Samaria? They're not. They don't, because they don't care. That's the whole point. These people do not represent the Palestinians, and the Palestinians know it. The Palestinian Arabs despise both Hamas and Fatah. Problem is, they don't have any viable. They don't have a viable third choice. All of the choices that they are presented with are terrible. That's why if somebody's come up with the idea, I'm not exactly who, that some kind of a coalition be formed. I don't. I'm not certain if it's. I think this is these ideas are still very very raw material to be to be thought out. Something with um, uh, uh, some sort of a coalition between Israel and the Emirates. Because you need to have Arabs governing Arabs and not Jews governing Arabs. And I don't know, nobody knows right now what the final ideas are going to be. All we know right now is that they are far from being finalized. This is true, and I am hoping that if our leadership does have any idea to try to t- have our boys go in there, God forbid, and die, and then turn it over to some Arab, another Arab entity, which drives me crazy, I am hoping that God will force Gaza into our hands, whether we want it or not, just like in 1967, when we were uh, uh, protecting the country from the, from the Arabs who wanted to come and kill us, he forced the Temple Mount into our hands. It wasn't, our, it wasn't in our scope to try to liberate the Temple Mount, but Hashem, God, put it in our hands, and I'm hoping that, God willing, he'll do the same.
Yeah, well, well we, we need some sort of a tsunami first to get rid of all of the weirdos there. I mean, you know, this is a problem. As, as I said last week, uh, the original Gazans were pretty good people. You know, they were, they were normal people. They were, there was nothing crazy about them. It's all the ones that were imported afterwards, both the refugees from 48 and the, and the, and the uh, uh, criminals from, that were brought in from Tunis by, um, by the uh, Oslo debacle. The Oslo uh, Accords. But, uh, but, but these are a small minority today, the original Gazans. They're a small minority. Yeah, well, the Gazans of then are not 20, the Gazans maybe of today. Maybe 20%, I would guess. Mordechai, the Gazans then, this generation is a completely different generation because the, this generation was brought, brought up in school to kill a Jew, to run them over, to stab point. them, etc. You're very correct. That's a very important point, you know. Uh, I, I, I've debated with myself all day today whether I should describe some of the things that they did or not. Um, um, uh, uh, let me skip over it for the moment, in the description, because they're pretty horrific. But the question is, these people acted in an unbelievably barbaric manner. Who taught them? Where, did they come, where, does, it, where does this all come from? Nobody forces anybody in the Gaza Strip to be a member of Hamas. Nobody forces them to be a member of, of, of Nusra. Nobody forces them to support these people. And by the way, we're not talking about uh, a, a vast difference, philosophical difference between members of Hamas, Hamas and the, the, the so-called civilians. Over a thousand civilians invaded once the fence was opened by them. So, I mean, they, they, they are, the, the support group is very supportive. So the question is, who trained them? Where did they get the knowledge from? Where did they get these ideas from? Where did they learn to take out people's eyes, cut off people's extremities and other non-mentional parts and etc.? Where does this come from? And the answer is, we got the answer to that very clearly just last week in the, in the so-called Security Council. Guterres, the, the Secretary General, answered us. It comes directly from the United Nations. The United Nations trains them. All of the schools, all, not, not 90%, 100% of the schools in Gaza Strip are owned and run by the United Nations. All of them. All of the teachers are employees of the, of the United Nations. All of them. Anyone who was previously a teacher there and was not affiliated with the United Nations, was killed when in 2007 when Hamas took over. All of them. The United Nations is 100% responsible for their training and for all of their, um, um, uh, I don't want, should I use the word ideas? I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it. United Nations, it all comes from the United Nations. The United Nations. And who are the helpers of the United Nations? We got that answer today. Very clearly, uh, uh, the, uh, the, um, the, the, the representative, uh, uh, not the representative, how do you say it, the um, spokesperson for the International Committee of the Red Cross was asked about what's going on in Gaza Strip. And he said, and I quote, all I know is what my Palestinian brothers tells me. And he proceeded to describe things from the standpoint of Hamas. That's all he knows. And as I've said many times in the past, I personally have caught members of the International Red Cross with their 
special passports smuggling um, drugs, arms, and funds to the terrorists in the Gaza Strip. I personally witnessed it with my eyes. Yeah, Israel needs to leave the United Nations, and the United Nations is also responsible for the buildup of all of the missiles that the Hezbollah now have and their, their might, because they were supposed to be there in order to buffer between Israel and Hezbollah and to prevent Hezbollah from get, uh, getting stronger and getting more missiles to shoot at civilian targets, uh, mind you, and they have not done their job, and in fact the opposite. And if anybody is doubting what 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 what, Hama, what Tamar just said, that's Security Council Resolution one seven zero one. Look it up. Okay, uh, <sighs> talking about. Uh... So Hamas is a religious movement. Okay. All of the official Palestinian Authority media supported the criminal actions of Hamas and supported it with great joy. It's important to remember this. One of the common values of Judaism and Islam is gratitude. One shows gratitude as a religious duty duty of the highest order. If, if you have saved my life, then I am indebted to you forever. As a matter of fact, in some versions, not only me, but my descendants as well are indebted to you. So Yehia Sinwar, the military leader of Hamas, living underground now for the past several years in uh, underneath the Shifa hospital in, in Gaza. Um, he was in an Israeli prison. He was, he was freed in the Shalit deal. Right. He was diagnosed during that time with brain cancer. He underwent treatment and surgery. We saved his life. This was in 2008. What he did was he, served, he, showed, he showed his gratitude by killing Jews. That is anti-Islam by any reckoning. Anyone who knows anything about Islam knows that that is one of the uh, uh, um, uh, surest um, gates to hell as defined by the Quran. Someone who saved your life and you then hurt that person, one of the surest gates to hell as defined by the Quran. If, uh, we, so, go ahead, sorry. Sorry? Well, I just want to say, with your permission, I want to backtrack just for a moment. And we were talking about the United Nations and how corrupt it is. Uh, okay. uh, one of the news stories that just recently came out, I hope I can pronounce her name right, it's Czechoslovakian. Minister Jana or Jana Senechova has just called to leave the United Nations for cheering Hamas terrorists. Quote, exactly three weeks ago, Hamas murdered over 1,400 Israelis. By the way, I want to tell everybody, 1,400 Israelis in one day were murdered. That's like 50,000 Americans in one 53 day. 53 and a half. 53 and a half. 53 over 53,000 Americans. That's what we suffered here just recently. Do you, under, do you understand the magnitude of this? So she's saying exactly three weeks ago, Hamas murder, murdered over 1,400 Israelis in one day, by the way. More victims for their population than the, than the militant Islamist organization Al-Qaeda murdered in the United States on 9-11. And only 14 countries, including ours, have spoken out clearly and understandably against this Unprecedented unprece terrorist attack 
perpetrated by Hamas terrorists. I am ashamed of the United Nations. In my opinion, the Czech Republic has no place in an organization that cheers on terrorists and does not respect the fundamental right to self-defense. Let's get out. And now the UN is uh, are starting already to call for a ceasefire. I want you all to understand a ceasefire means that they want Israel to lose, that they don't want Israel to win this war and to wipe out these monsters. They want to keep these monsters alive so they can go another day to hit Israel, as they have done in the last war that we had with Gaza and the one before that and the one before that and the one before that. And I, I need to make a comment here on what you just said. I'm very pleased that you made that, you brought that up because I hadn't seen that, that article. Um, um, uh, I did some research several years ago um, uh, in 2019 um, on the history of European anti-Semitism. And the only uh, 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 people in all of Europe that I could not find any anti-Semitic actions on their part throughout all of European history, 2,000 years, were the Czechs. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't need to be convinced that this, that this lady um, made such a comment because that's the history of the Czechs. They have a history of being fine people have a history of being moral people all now, right maybe there are some instances that i haven't found out but i haven't found anything and i was pretty thorough it's a thousand page book yeah so i just want to pound in again to everyone's consciousness that when we got hit on october 7th it was like america would lose 53 more than 53,000 people in one day do you understand what we what happened here, including not just killed like in the Twin Towers, but m murdered ruthlessly, burned alive. People were burned alive. Children and babies were burned alive. Babies were decapitated. Babies and children, uh, I'm sorry, children and, and women, even old women were raped. I'm going to say something here. That's going to be very hard, at least for me, when I heard this information was very, very hard. So if you have children in the room, you might want to mute me for a, a few minutes or, or for a minute. But one of the pathologists was saying that they couldn't believe the shape that the bodies were in, that some of these people who were raped, their pelvic bones were smashed. They were just broken. I, you, have to fig, you have to just try to imagine the viciousness of these rapes that took place against children as well, the torture, the, the burning alive. Go ahead, sorry. I'm saying the, the phenomenal brutality of raping in such a manner that actually breaks pelvic bones. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's unheard of. Uh, unheard of. Um, uh, if you permit me, I will describe one, in, one such incident, but I don't know if you want me to do it. I do, because you know why? I was going to tell you why. Because people don't get this information. You're not going to hear this on MSNBC or CNN or, or all of these other news outlets that people are getting their news from. So say it. It has to be said. You need to face evil. You have to okay, face look, it in order to defeat one, it. Let's describe one, one instance. One um, instance... Uh, 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 a family was in their home. The um, um, uh, the monsters were sitting there eating breakfast while the mother and father were uh, uh, tied up 
uh, with their hands behind their backs in a very painful manner on one side of the room, and the two children were tied up on the other side of the room. And by turns, these monsters would get up from the breakfast table to act upon these people. So the first one got up and pulled out one of the eyes of the, of the, of the husband, left it dangling in front of his face by the optic nerve. And they all chuckled. And then the next one got up and cut off, the, uh, uh, stripped off the, the blouse of the, of, the, of the mother and cut off her breast. And then another one got up and went to the young, young man, who was about 10 years old, and cut off all 10 of his fingers. And then another one got up and cut off half of the foot of the, of the young girl. She was about eight, if I remember correctly. And then when they finished eating, they sprayed them all with bullets. There was one testimony, it was, I think it was Yusuf Hassan, who is a spokesperson for Israel. He's an Israeli citizen. He's an Arab. Chadad. 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 And he... He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. He was saying how he was in uh, one of the facilities where they were showing the foreign press videos that have not gone out to the public. And they were seeing some of the things that were going on because some of these houses had video cameras in them, etc. And he was saying, what is it? And I think that's what you were talking about, that 10-year-old little boy. After they killed his father, uh, his eye was was also, they took out his eye and his brother was wounded and they killed the father on the front lawn and then they took the two kids into the house, threw them in there and, and went into the refrigerator to look for no, some this Coca-Cola. Is, this is a Coca-Cola thing. This is not the uh, this is not the breakfast thing. Okay. Yeah, and, the, and, the, and the young man shouted at him, "Kill me! I can't bear to live with you." That was what the little boy said. He said to the, he screamed at the terrorists, "Kill me! Kill me!" And 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 Yosef Haddad said, "What kind of world do we live in that a ten-year-old little boy is begging a terrorist to kill him?" He broke down on the news. He couldn't even, he could barely get it out. This, we're not dealing with human beings, people. These people have given up their humanity. They may have been born human, but they gave up their humanity. They are monsters. They need to be erased from the earth. Humanity has not seen this kind of action since the the Inquisition. This is the worst barbarity that that humanity has seen since the time of the Inquisition. This is worse, far worse than the Nazis. And by the way, people aren't aware of this. Again, on the thing that's not, you're not allowed to know on, on, on foreign news, they didn't just kill everybody. They also made a point of, of, of stealing their, any valuables that they had on them or in the house, stealing their credit cards and using them, of course, um, and uh, um, um, uh, a lot of contraband was taken. I'm talking about a lot, I mean, Many, many tens of millions of dollars worth of, of, of cash and goods. And they were, a lot of people have uh, PayPal, they have uh, some type of wallets that are electronic wallets in their phones, and they were draining the bank accounts of these, some of these soldiers also who have uh, wives and children who are now going to be widows, and they drain their bank accounts, so now these wives and widows don't even have anything. And they were, in, in some cases, they had taken the, the victim's phones and went on Facebook Live on the victim's 
Facebook wall. So their family and friends were witnessing their death and their dead bodies lying in pools of blood. This is inhumane. This is, I can't, I can't even imagine going that far in my imagination of how to be so cruel. Yeah, we have to understand these are not militants. These are not brave people. These are not fighters. These are cowardly monsters that, that the, the world cannot allow these kinds of people. This is much worse than ISIS. This is much worse than the Nazis. These these are these are not as as you just said tomorrow. These are not in any sense human beings. We have to go back to the the central question: Who trained them to be like that? Well, I know who've trained them to be like that. Well, of course we know. We know now. As I said, uh, Guterres himself said, himself said it. It was trained by the United Nations and the 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 the, the, the Catholic uh, what's it called the International Committee of the Red Cross and Iran. They're a proxy of Iran, and they told these people, go do whatever you want to, to the Jews. Go do whatever you want. Be creative. That's what they told them. Be creative. And boy, were they creative. Iran, there's an interesting article I read. I don't know if you saw it. I, I might have sent it to you just before the show, even, Mordecai, that they had already data and reports that Iran is planning a multi-front war, and they were going to use their proxies, which is Gaza, Judea, and Samaria, because there's a lot of Arabs uh, living inside of Israel and in the Palestinian Authority that are right in the center of the country to, to unleash them on the Jewish settlements or resettlements here in Israel, in Judea and Samaria, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, through and Iraq, if, you know. Remember, if you if you know the map, it's Israel, and then go east. You're going to Jordan, and east of Jordan is Iraq, and east of Iraq is Iran, and and then also the Houthis in Yemen. These are different fronts that they were going to use in order to attack Israel, and they they their strategy is to use their proxies to attack Israel. So Iran could say, we didn't attack Israel. It was the fill-in-the-blank. The Hamas, the Hezbollah, the Houthis, the this, the that, Islamic Jihad, whatever it is. This is a, a, a strategy that they use. You just jumped to my, to my, my last subject. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yalla, yalla, take it. Go ahead. Uh, 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 people need to understand who the Iranians are. And this is fascinating. Uh, Iran are not just people. Are, people are sort of aware that there's a difference between Sunni Islam and Shia Islam. The Iranians are not just Shia. The, the issue is not just religious. The, the 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 Iranians are also not Arabs. They are Persians, and Persians are, or at least they call themselves, Aryans. Hitler called the Germans Aryans, but they're not. Aryans. Hitler yeah. was, was, was an uneducated slob, and he didn't know what Aryans really meant, but he, he adopted that word because he had no idea what he was talking about. Um, but the Persians are Aryans. Aryans are a tribe that wandered Hence from... Hence Iran, by the way. Correct. Um, uh, they wandered from, in, 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 in ancient history about 5,000 or, or, no, about 3,500 years ago from what is today northern um, India. And they wandered up to the plateau, which is the main portion of, of the country of Iran today. 
And historically, that was the Persian, that was the center of the Persian Empire. Now, Aryans, the Aryan Persians, the Aryan Iranians, despise the Arabs. They look down upon them. So when you talk about, for instance, Hamas, will the Iranians come to help Hamas? I don't believe they will. Iranians have no problem seeing dead Arabs. They, they, that that, they won't lose any sleep over that. They won't lose any anything over that. They're fine with they, they will they will be very fine with seeing the Hamas um, uh, um, uh, a fight to the last Ar living Arab. They have no problem with that at all. Same thing with well, not quite the same thing, but similar thing with with the, with Hezbollah. Remember Hezbollah. At least they're they, while they're Arabs, they are at least Shia Arabs. So there's a some affinity. There's no affinity between. The Iranians and 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 the and the people in Gaza, they're simply uh, attack dogs. Nothing more. I want to add here, Mordechai, that they have no affinity to uh, the Hamas. The Arabs in Gaza have no affinity towards their own people there either. Where are they? Where are they launching their rockets from and keeping all of their weaponry and their offices from hospitals, from schools? They use their people as human shields. They life has no value to these people. Well, the problem with what you're saying is that you're not incorrect, but everybody's assuming that because Hamas rules the Palestinians, they consider themselves to be part of the Palestinians, and they're fighting for so-called Palestine. They are not. They don't give a damn about either Palestine or the Palestinians, and they never have. There is not one word in the Hamas charter that talks about a Palestinian state at any point in history. They're not interested in a Palestinian state. They're not interested in Palestinians. Palestinians are a tool. They use them. And when they're used up, they dispose of them. Like paper plates. You know, use it once, throw it away. Big deal. But Aryans consider Arabs, all Arabs, to be quite literally inferior and disposable. They view Sunni as only borderline Islam consider them to be relatively apostle. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Apostates. And also disposable. Though I, 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 a, a, a Shia Arab, as I said, is, is, somewhat, is somewhat accepted. They will sacrifice Hamas in the blink of an eye. They don't care about them at all. Just as Hamas doesn't care about the so-called Palestinians that they rule over. They don't care. There's no, there's no affinity whatever between these groups. No Persian will agree to sacrifice himself for an Arab. And that never, that has never happened, that never will happen. No chance of it. Look at Persian, I don't know if anybody has the capability of doing this. I, one of my uh, things that I'm extremely fond of is reading poetry and particularly poetry from around the world, and I have several books of Persian poetry. You can see how they look at Arabs. You can see in their poetry. This is not now. This is not, I'm not talking about 20 and the 21st century. This has been the same, this has been the case for, for thousands of years. The Persians look at the Arabs as garbage. Sorry, I don't look at the Arabs as garbage. I don't have anything against Arabs as, as, as a race or as people. The Persians do. I don't know of any Hebrew poet 
from any period of time that has said anything negative about Arabs. I don't know of anyone, and I assure you I've, written, I've read thousands of Hebrew poems. I've never seen anything that was in any way looked down upon the Arabs. But in Persian poetry, oh yes, quite a bit. And this has been the case, as I say, for, for thousands of years, well before the, the advent of Islam. So people need to be aware of this. This is this is this is this is very important if you want to want to in any way comprehend what's going on here. This hierarchy is um, uh, uh, is essential to comprehend what it is we're talking about. So you know if you if you if you want to think about these things. So why are the Hamas Associating with with the with the with the Persians, because it's convenient. They pay them, they give them money, hundreds of millions of millions of dollars a year. It's very convenient for them. And the West has been funding the Hezbollah and these terrorist and the PLO, the Palestinian Authority, and Gaza as well. Oh yes, absolutely. But, All right. So let's talk we, about the Quisling West. The previous American administration did make an attempt to cut off the funding to the PA and the PLO and Hamas. You're talking about Trump. Well, I wanted to clean the, my sentence of, of politics. Okay. <laughs> did I fail? I'm sorry. I just want uh, people to understand, that's all. Okay. The present administration immediately restored this funding. And we're talking the again Biden about administration. Very, very, very large numbers here. Yeah. Okay. You want to go to another topic? Well, the next topic is about the, the what I call the Queensland West. Do we want to talk about that or do we want to... Go for it. Whatever you... Victor Davis Hanson, who I believe to be one of the um, uh, uh, greatest living historians today in the, in the West, and certainly in the United States, probably in the entire West. Um, um, there's another one who I, who I also think highly of, but we'll go into that in a moment. Um, also in California, uh, 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 Victor Davis Hansen quote, they don't understand human nature. When you're unpredictable and you're scary, that's civilized. When you're predictably weak, that's uncivilized. The former stops war, the latter invites them, unquote. And he was talking about, of course, the difference between the Trump administration and the Biden administration. The Biden administration is universally viewed as being extraordinarily weak, like this ridiculous weirdo that suddenly decided that he was, he was, he was some sort of an admiral, and then he decided that he was no longer a he, and he's now a she, or something like that. Unbelievable. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to really comprehend that, but okay. Uh, anyway, we need to understand what's going on even within the United States. The United States imports of uranium from Russia have doubled in the past year. Doubled in the past year. Remember the, the, the uh, 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 very briefly reported scandal called Uranium One when uh, uh, um, then Secretary of State Clinton sold basically all of U.S. uranium reserves to Russia? People, does anybody remember that history? Well, 
The Russians did not exactly refuse that, did they? So now Russia is controlling all uranium imports to the United States, and the United States has doubled their imports over the past year. Um, in parallel to this, we, ne we need to remember on October, what was it, 9th or 10th, I forget now, I'm sorry, um, when Hamas sent a public heartfelt letter of thanks to Ukraine for the weapons that it had supplied them. These were American weapons, of course. Did the Biden administration know that Ukraine was transshipping weapons that they had supplied them to Hamas? None of us can know that right now, can we? But I would guess right now that Ukraine's future is rather grim. But it's okay, people. As long as the politicians can keep their jobs, the rivers of welfare will continue to flow to as many people as they can find. Anybody you can pay, you can control. At least for as long as you continue paying. Can Western society survive this inherent insolvency? Well, 100,000 pro-Hamas young men demonstrated in London this past week. 100 thousand pro-Hamas young men demonstrated in London. The police, of course, were impotent. Berlin has mentioned the awful word of deportations after very violent scuffles with the impotent police. And the list goes on and on. I won't bore you people with the, the list. If you look it up, you can see City after city in, across Europe and even across the United States where thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are demonstrating for Hamas. If you demonstrate for Hamas, you are demonstrating for genocide. As I said, Hamas is not your, pardon me, standard terrorist organization. It is a genocidal organization who writes in its charter unabashedly that their objective is genocide. I just want to insert here that I would say that that a, a good majority, if not most of the people who are demonstrating for Hamas, want a, gen, a genocide against the Jews. One of these uh, Arab uh, women, she's an attorney, was interviewed on uh, one of these news shows. I think it was Pierce, I forget, uh, Morgan, maybe uh, CNN. She, uh, she, uh, she was heard saying that she hopes that the Last word, uh, last sounds that a Jew hears are pop, 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 meaning bang, bang, bang. And this is an attorney, an educated woman. Well, I'm certain that some people might disagree with the confluence of those two terms, but okay. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Um, what the question today is, can any Western politician afford to address the actual issues? What we're seeing now is that the West is behind in almost every area of defense technologies, in demography, every Western country, every one of them is in demographic decline. That includes the United States. Despite the importation of, of almost 10 million people through the southern border, over these past two and a half years, the United States is still in demographic decline. Uh, 
diplomacy, economy, education, energy and industrial policies, infrastructures. When was the last time anyone in America drove on a on a uh, interstate or or any other kind of highway that was really properly maintained? Where is American morality? America used to be known, at least that's what it was known when I was young, for its morality, for its insistence upon looking at things in a moral manner. That's what I remember from the time of Reagan, at least. Maybe I'm showing my age. I don't know. Science and technology. Um, China just announced just last week that they've solved one of the most important problems in what's called uh, uh, um, uh, uh, hypersonic uh, aircraft, and that's the, the issue of the thermal properties of the what's called the envelope. The, 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 you, know, you can't make a, a hypersonic missile out of steel because when you get to those speeds, it, the steel will simply melt. And that's been what's, what's preventing the United States from matching Russian and Chinese technologies in hypersonic missiles. The United States has not solved the thermal problems. The Chinese now claim that they can pass 10 Mach, 10 times the speed of sound. Nobody in the world has done that yet until, until now. Again, they might be lying. I can't, I can't verify this, but this is their announcement. Okay, we're having another red alert siren going off in Israel. If you're listening live, uh, we're having a lot. Um, it is now 4.54 p.m. Israel time. By the way, Israel has changed its clocks back. We put our clocks back one hour, so some of these shows that you hear may be um, at a different time than you're used to hearing. Uh, we're looking at the north of Israel, places like Rosh Pina, Machanaim, uh, Ayelet HaShachar, and another three or four areas where people are now running for cover from either incoming rocket fire or uh, possible infiltrations from the Hezbollah. Uh, so we're praying for the safety of our brothers and sisters. Remember, these are innocent civilians that they're targeting. This is not army. This is not army bases. These are Jews that they are targeting. All right, Mordechai. Okay, I've sort of more or less finished the, my what what I've prepared. Uh, is there any other sub? You, you said that there were some subjects that you wanted to talk about. Well, uh, just a few things here that uh, came on, and I, I want to explain to some people here. You know, people are talking about how Israel is the aggressor. Israel wants to make a genocide, etc. Uh, here's something that I uh, received also. Uh, these are notices that there are printed pieces of paper that Israel drops from the sky in order that the civilians, any civilians that are still in northern Gaza, which we told them, if you want to protect your families, leave because we are going to have to bomb these places because this is uh, where we're fighting the Hamas. And this uh, leaflet that was, again, it's printed in Arabic, but I'll translate it with, I'll use the English translation here. It's, it's I don't know Arabic, but uh, it says here, Israel distributes leaflets to Gaza from the air. It reads, quote, the terrorist organization Hamas has committed the most horrible crimes against humanity. The rape of women and the abduction of children, the elderly, and families of all religions and backgrounds, 
Jews, Christians, Muslims, and foreigners. Hamas's actions are against the Muslim religion, which you had said. Hamas equals ISIS. That's what it says in this flyer. And they give a list of things that they're telling the civilians who don't want to be targeted by mistake uh, to do. Number one, they say disarm. Number two, raise your hands. Number three, wave a white sign or flag if you can. Number four, follow the Israel Defense Forces instructions. Five, you do not need to bring food and water with you. The Israel Defense Forces, the IDF, will take care of that. That's what this flyer is saying to anybody who still refused to leave the northern part of Gaza and and not flee to the south where Israel told them to. They're telling anybody who's left there, if you've changed your mind now, after you've seen uh, the fighting, this is what you need to do. Disarm, raise your hands, wave a white flag so we can identify you. Follow the IDF's instructions, and you don't need to bring food and water with you. We will supply it. Does this sound like an entity that wants to commit a genocide? If Israel has all this might that people say we do, there would have been a genocide already because we could have done it. The fact that they, they're still alive there shows that there's no intent to do a genocide. The fact that the population of Gaza has grown in numbers shows we're doing a pretty lousy job at doing a genocide if that's what we wanted to do. <laughs> lies, lies, lies. People think. Ask yourself questions. What makes sense? What is just propaganda to say people should try to hate Jews? Because that's what you're being fed, that Israel is the offender. Israel is killing the poor Gazan children. By the way, a lot of their, their videos that they share, as we discussed in the last show, I think it was, Mordechai, we talked about Pallywood, Palis- the Palestinian yeah. Authority, fake videos where they'll take distru- pictures of uh, some bombed out building and they'll put a little teddy bear on the rubble to show that Israel killed these poor little children. Or they'll have people faking that they're dead. They'll put them in the white sheets, the shr- the burial shrouds. And then one of them, I, I have a picture somewhere I was sent. Also, the guy's on his cell phone. <laughs> he's, he's looking through the, the burial sheets on his waiting to be able to put on display and have pictures taken of of him so that they can share it and say how horrible Israel is. It's really, it's, it's just so ugly and corrupt and disgusting. What can, what can I say? I'm a mother. My children are out there fighting to protect innocent civilians. I don't want to see war. I know the value of life because I've given birth and I've taught my children that we're all God's children. But this entity that we're fighting right now is a mitzvah. It's, it's a commandment by God to wipe out this evil. Because if we tolerate it, it's going to come back to us again and again. And we are not good people if we tolerate evil. We are not good people if we tolerate it. And by the way, you, I'm sorry to say, if you tolerate it, you, are, you have to look at yourself and your value system and, and re-examine re, re your value system. This is very true. <coughs> I am, or at least I try to be, uh, a person who has spent many, many hours, years studying the issue of morality. 
I mean, you know, that's what you do if you want to be a rabbi. So what is moral? What is immoral? How are these things defined? Well, one thing is you don't lie. And Hamas constantly lies. And speaking of lies, by the way, I, I, I wish to caution people. There's a phenomenal quantity of what's now called fake news. It's, fake news is a, is a ridiculously stupid termo- terminology. These are lies. These are simply lies. People put out lies to confuse you. Don't allow yourself to be trivially confused. You, every single one of you, everyone who's listening today, I assure you, I promise you, you are much too important to allow yourself to be lied to. Think about that before you simply trivially believe. Remember that spokesperson for the International Committee of the Red Cross. When asked what's going on in Gaza, all I can do is quote my Palestinian brothers. Does he really think that he's being told the truth? Really? Does he care? Don't allow yourself to be trivially lied to. You don't have that coming to you. You have the truth coming to you. You deserve to know the truth. And I hope that in some small manner, Tamar and I somehow contribute to that. Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, you have anything else you want to say before we say goodbye to our wonderful listeners? No, I think we've about covered it for the day. We wish everybody peace. We wish everybody safety. We are praying that our men, women, children, grandparents, babies that were kidnapped and are right at this moment being held by the Hamas in dark, terrible tunnels possibly being tortured who are then crying give us humanitarian aid what about the humanitarian aid of our hostages what about our children that are being held there what the red cross is still refusing to visit them yes the red cross which is supposed to by international law be able to go in and visit them is not going in and visiting them. So we don't even know who's alive and who's not. We do know that there are dead bodies that they're holding. Not not all the hostages are alive because as we witnessed in videos on their killing spree, after they would kill people, some of the bodies, they picked them up and threw them into the back of a truck to take them into Gaza so they would have more of a a count that they could try to... um, negotiate to get to get uh, their convicted terrorists to be let go and released so they can kill another day. By the way, before we go, I want to ask you this question because there's a debate here in Israel, for anyone who doesn't know, about freeing the hostages. There is one, uh, the military, it seems, uh, with the government, with the leaders, are, it seems that they are going to try to do some type of Entebbe rescue. However, one of the sisters, I think, she was being interviewed on the news yesterday, and she was saying that if they do something like that, very likely, maybe only 5 or 10% of the hostages will be returned alive, that they would die in any type of uh, uh, attempted rescue because the, because the, um, the, Arab ter- the Arabs there would, would kill them, would slaughter them. 
They wouldn't let them to be taken alive. In fact, I imagine them now, and I don't know, but I imagine that they're sitting right now with uh, tied up with dynamite around them that if anybody tries to rescue them, they'll all be blown up. But she is saying, let us do what the Hamas is demanding, and that is a, an exchange that they will supposedly give us our men, women, children, babies, grandmothers, grandfathers back. And there's another red alert siren coming in. This is all from Gaza. This is 23 days of fighting a war, and they're still firing rockets and missiles at us. This is in Kibbutz Berry. They got hit really hard, one of the hardest in the southern region on the 7th of October. We're praying More for the More than 100 safety. people were killed in Berry. There was around 400 people that lived there, and 100 were killed. It's like one out of four were killed. Uh, we're praying for their safety. Please, God, should protect them and uh there's very few civilians left there but we've got army boys there we've got army protecting the place and uh as we're going into gaza we've got to keep this secure that region but in any case if, if you're listening now again i just want to say the time is 5:05 p.m israel time on sunday between 4 to a little bit after 5 p.m that we're broadcasting here live if you're hearing the show at any other time, it means that it is a rebroadcast, a replay of this show. Now, I want to say here that the debate is, do we do what the Hamas is demanding, that they're saying uh, our hostages for their convicted killer, murderous terrorists? Do we do it? And the policy has mostly been that we don't do things like that. And we saw that in uh, the last prisoner exchange we did for Gilad Shalit, one of these people that we let free was the one of the heads of this massacre so the question is what do we do she was arguing if we go in and try to release them in a military operation that most of them will be killed she is suggesting- I, I, I told you i've told you in the past tomorrow that i yeah. believe that very few of them are still alive and that could be very well she is saying that we should make an exchange and this is the safest way to get them back and, and, and uh, fastest way as well, because it could be done very soon. However, I don't to make an exchange if, they, if these people are not moved to Gaza, but to move to somewhere, somewhere else. I mean, maybe New Zealand or Tasmania or, or Antarctica or something like that. Well, I'll tell you, if, uh, if I were the prime minister, which I'm not, I, would, not? Which I, would, I would give them back to Gaza. And after I got my people back, I would bomb the H-E double hockey sticks out of them. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. That's what I think I would do. I'm not the prime minister. I don't have all the smart advisors around me. But that is what I think I would do. I would get my people out safely, release them into Hamastan over there in our, in our backyard, and then bomb the heck out of that I, I frankly don't have any use for keeping these 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 monstrous garbage in prison. I mean, why do I why do I need to feed them? They should have gotten the death penalty, but Israel doesn't have the death penalty. We don't use. Well, them. we actually do. We but did. It's, yes. it's exclusively well, we for Nazis. Right. And I would claim that since these people are, are worse than the Nazis, then they come under that law. But yeah. that's but I'm not I'm not a legal expert. Yeah. All right. So that that's that's what I think I would do, because I want my these innocent people they're innocent people grandmothers babies 
What kind of Can anyone understand the concept of a nine-month-old hostage? Unbelievable. Nine, nine months old. So that is a, a debate that's going on here. Of course, nobody on the news would say what I just said. <laughs> but I'm saying it. Well, tomorrow you and I are weird. We always have been, you know. No, we're not weird. We're we are rational, moral people. That's weird. <laughs> okay, maybe in this day and age you might be correct. Uh, again, the sooner a war is over, the sooner there is peace, and there's less, and then you don't have people dying anymore. The war is basically over, unless it's the Unless it's these Islamic monsters who are coming here, because then if, if they won the war, they would just keep going from house to house to house to slaughtering people and killing people, because that's their raison d'etre. That's what they believe in doing. So we want to see an end to this. We want our boys home. We want our families home from being a hostage. We want to bring peace to the region, and Israel needs to flatten Gaza, so there are no homes for any of these Gazans to go, to, to go back to. And if any Gazans were good people and really innocent, then they can apply on a case-by-case -case basis to come back to Israel. And we can check their records and see if there's any, any uh, warrants out for their arrest, any trouble that they did in the past. And if they were good people and even helped Israel, because some of the information we get from Gaza is from some of these, very few, but some Arabs in Gaza. And we can actually reward them, give them a really good spot on the ocean front. Let them build a beautiful home there if they're going to live in peace and they helped Israel, etc. Look, I know that I told you, I, I know that beach very well. It's one of those beautiful beaches throughout in the entire Mediterranean basin. It is a beautiful beach. I've been Gaza there. Beach I've is been phenomenally there. beautiful. I've really? been there before. And they could, have made, they could have made themselves a Riviera. They could have been the Riviera of the Middle East, and they chose instead to kill Jews, to spend their money on killing Jews. Uh, so anyway, this is, uh, this is the reality, what we're facing here. You should be for Israel, because if you're for Israel, you're actually for yourself. If you're for Israel, you're for God and what he wants for us. We're all his children. He wants us to live in peace and security and happiness and to make the world a better place. He doesn't want to see these atrocities take place. He doesn't want to see the hatred. The, there is a, uh, the smartest man in the world, King Solomon, wrote, there's a time for hatred, and that time is now for monsters like these. We should hate them, and if we don't, if we can tolerate them and we don't hate them, then there's something wrong with us. I don't know about that. I can't hate cockroaches. I just step on them. Well, we have an infestation of monsters, and we have to, we have step to on. take them out. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I just want to make, you know, sometimes I go off there and I think, well, I didn't explain this point. You know, the, the, the point is understood in my head, but maybe it's not understood in everyone else's head. When I say to flatten Gaza, it's not for revenge. It's for the safety of our soldiers who are going in there because all of these, even if the buildings are bombed out, there's still many places for the, their snipers and their booby traps to hide and to kill innocent young boys, innocent Israeli soldiers. And so we've got to flatten the place for the safety of the good guys. And then you, know, I, 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 and you can rebuild. That. You can rebuild Should we take a place. moment to explain? <clears throat> um, there's been some... Um, publications and some 
news about something that they, the the um, the news media are calling sponge bombs. Should I explain what that is? Yes, go ahead. Where are they going to hear it if not here? Okay. First thing people need to understand is that the so-called sponge bomb is not a bomb. It does not explode. There's no. It doesn't hurt anybody. It cannot hurt anybody. A sponge bomb is not designed as a bomb, as in the, in the sense of an explosive device that could possibly kill people. What a sponge bomb is, it's two liquids that, when they're mixed together, forms a foam which hardens very quickly. So if you're going through a tunnel network, remember, these are not straight tunnels. These are networks. So if you go through one tunnel and you say, okay, this tunnel is clear, what you then want to do is you want to close it off at both ends so that it cannot be used again, so that if you go to the next portion of tunnel, the next tunnel part, you won't have somebody creeping up behind you. So that's what these so-called sponge bombs do. They're sealers for tunnels. And all they are is a, 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 a hardening foam. It hardens very, very quickly. And so you, you, you've sealed off one tunnel from another to prevent people from surprising you getting behind you because what the Hamas people love to do more than anything else is shoot you in the back. They're very brave, you see. So that's what it is. It it's, prevents you being from being shot in the back by traitorous little garbage. That's what a so-called sponge bomb is. It's, not a, it's neither a sponge nor a bomb, but it does rapidly expand. Doesn't explode, it rapidly rapidly expands. So in case anyone is interested in the in the, the, the weird terminology that's being used by the by the imitation news media. All right, again, we're wishing everybody peace and safety and an end to this war as quickly as possible. That the good guys, Israel, should win. That just should not spread over more into the Western countries that are very naive, sadly. And we should all have peace. We should all have safety. Our children should be able to go back to school and, uh, and our soldiers to come home to their families. Thank Amen. you, everybody, for being with us. You've been listening to the Tamar Yano Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You can email me with any comments or questions you have. Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I can't promise to answer everybody. I get loads of letters, but I'm always happy to hear from people, and I do try to read them all. So know that even if you don't get a reply from me, most likely I've read your letter. And I thank all the people who are writing in and saying that they support Israel. God bless you all. And thank you for being with us here at the Tamar Yona Show. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, for being with us here as well and sharing with us all the data and uh, news stories that you have. Thank you. Thank you.